It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 892 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, February the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows covering all of your favorite teams. There's more than one show on the network for you, I can guarantee it, unless you're a one-sport person, which is also totally fine, and I appreciate you making this the one team you care about. Anyway, uh, today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, on today's show, we are diving solo into the Raptors 109-102 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday night, a game that I think highlighted a truth that, you know, people who follow the team closely have known for the entire time Kyle Lowry's been out of the lineup and the entire time he's been with the team, but apparently it was, uh, you know, a question as to whether or not he was important. This game... Solved that question and conundrum. Uh, we'll dive into that. I also want to dive into the way the defense looked. Again, they are looking really, really good lately, up to 11th in defense in the league. And I thought a lot of really promising signs from the way they approached the 76ers in this one. And I also will address the All-Star stuff at the end of the podcast as well. No All-Stars for the Raptors. I am fine with that. We'll talk about that in the final segment. Okay, let's get to the game against the Sixers right now and the big takeaway for me the biggest takeaway in this one is boy do the Raptors miss Kyle Lowry because look in the game on Sunday against the Sixers the Raptors looked excellent Fred Van Vliet Pascal Siakam kind of took turns taking advantage of their matchups when Ben Simmons was off the floor or Ben Simmons was guarding one or the other they would kind of trade off if Simmons was guarding Van Vliet Siakam would go to work against Tobias Harris if Simmons was guarding Siakam, you know, it was Seth Curry, Danny Green, whoever was guarding Fred Van Vliet that Van Vliet was able to create some separation with. And this was a tough game for Van Vliet overall, 4-14. He only had a couple threes late in this one in the final couple minutes when the Raptors were making the most annoying and Raptors-ass comeback attempt I've ever seen. Very fun stuff to watch and surely annoying if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, but it's the exact kind of identity and uh, pestering mania that the Raptors really kind of captured last season and that was really fun to see even if it was all for naught but yeah as I was saying Van Vliet 
tough game offensively. You know, he was a monster defensively in this one. Two steals, four blocks, got out on the run a whole bunch, really initiated a transition attack that the Raptors used to get back into this one after a tough start in the first. But his offense was bothered by the size. You know, Simmons was on him quite a bit, and he just couldn't create any separation. And as a result, you have a 4 of 14 night for Fred Van Vliet. And this highlights exactly why you need that third creator for the Raptors. OG Ananobi is not there yet. He can try to do some stuff off the bounce. It's always very erratic and crazy. You don't know where it's going to finish. Oftentimes, it finishes with like a like surprisingly deft touch layup. But for the most part, he's still very raw when it comes to putting it on the deck. Norm Powell, you know, he had six assists in this game. So he did his part for sure to try to sort of offer some extra creation here. But even then, you don't want to rely on him over and over again. And then Pascal Siakam, who has been ridiculous on the playmaking end of things recently, he had a really nice game. He scored at the rim pretty efficiently. He was one of six from three, meaning he was eight of 12 from two-point range, which against a team with Joel Embiid is difficult to do. And especially considering it's a team that has given him a lot of trouble in the past, continuing the promising signs we talked about on Monday's podcast with Big V. But Fred just didn't have the juice, and when you don't have the juice from Fred Van Vliet, it'd be really nice to have a second point guard there to take advantage of the matchups. You know, the Sixers had to start for Con Korkmaz in this one, with Seth Curry going down. Either way, Curry or Korkmaz, whoever would have played there, would have been meat for Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet if Simmons took the Lowry assignment, were he available. And it's just, you know, the, the Raptors' half-court offense sputtered because it was a tough game for Fred. There was like a lot of panic about losing Chris Finch and, oh no, the offense is terrible again after losing Finch. That's just not how it works. You don't just forget how to play offense when your assistant leaves. I mean, the Raptors don't have any assistants right now, it seems. Sergio Scariolo's overseas. Patrick Matumbo, Britton Donaldson are still down with the G League. Um, you know, it's kind of barren on the bench right now. But I don't think you can attribute the loss of Chris Finch to one game of bad offense. I think you can attribute the bad game of offense to the Sixers, who are a very, very good defensive team with dudes who are going to punish five foot eleven guards from time to time. And just having Lowry to breathe some extra life, take advantage of some of the matchups that they could take advantage of, whether it was Corkmaz or getting uh, Danny Green or uh, Tobias Harris on a switch, whatever it might have been, that would have certainly helped things. I think also it's worth noting that this game really wasn't that bad offensively for the Raptors. You know, they didn't shoot well. They were 11 to 37 from three. But so many of those threes were wide-ass open. You had Norm Powell just kind of bricking some stuff that's been automatic for him recently. You had OG just going two of seven. Siakam was one of six after a pretty good run of shooting for him. So maybe the sort of feelings about the flow of the offense are a little bit unfair. And maybe my take that Kyle is so clearly missed is a little bit misguided here. But it's not because obviously they miss Kyle. Um, you can have both the missing of Kyle and a bad variant shooting game through good process at the same time. But yeah, it's it just to me, the Raptors probably stand a chance to win this game if Lowry's available just to get that extra creation. It's also worth noting that Siakam and Van Vliet are carrying enormous burdens right now without Lowry, and it's just kind of unsustainable. 42 minutes for Siakam on the first night of a back-to-back. -back. Not exactly what you want to see. Um, you know, Fred played 37 minutes. He's got the ball in his hands all the time. He looks tired. He's also defending his ass off on the other end and putting in a lot of energy to strip it away from large men at that end of the floor. And it just, you know, at some point it'll catch up. And it's no better time for Kyle Lowry to return, hopefully tonight, after the 16-0 run the Raptors went on without Lowry over the last couple of years comes to an end on 
Tuesday night. Um, I guess there's some hope that Lowry could play on the Wednesday against the Heat. It'd be nice. He usually torches the Heat because they don't really have anything in the way of guard defenders. And, you know, the way the Heat play, having extra creation will be very helpful. I'm really fascinated to see how Siakam and his advanced playmaking and, and Fred and his sort of in-season growth and, and leveling up kind of play against the Heat, who they played a few weeks back in a back-to-back. They kind of adjusted perfectly in the second half of it after losing the first. I, uh, I hope Lowry's back because this is a fun little matchup and the Raptors really, really need. They're still the guy I perceive to be the best player on the team back. Um, even if he's maybe been a little bit less of an all-encompassing freak <laughs> for the Raptors this season, Lowry still drives the bus in a lot of ways and also just makes things easier for Fred Van Vliet in the stretches where he would like to drive the bus. It's just, you know, things work a little bit better when you have Kyle Lowry, as it turns out, and hopefully this game dispelled any notions that this team is better without Lowry. I do want to get into some stuff from the defense in this game. They were excellent, uh, but first... We have to dive into our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and I really got to give some love to Pascal Siakam. And look, here's the thing is, you know, the the whole thing with Siakam has been joy and whether or not he's enjoying himself. Is he having a good time playing? When he is smiling and having a good time, it is a beautiful thing to see. The real question is, is he happy because he's winning or is he does he win because he's happy? That's always been the question. That's the question Michelob Ultra is asking as well. They have 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in their beer, by the way. You should probably get on board with that if you're looking to not drink enormous, heavy sludge beers like I tend to do. It's not good. Uh, But either way, Pascal Siakam clearly not drinking those sludge beers. Clearly lean and mean on the Michelob Ultra sitting by his pool in Florida that he's boasting about. And he's had an awesome week. He's looked fantastic to me. He has kind of ascended to being the best player on the Raptors in a lot of ways. You know, I, I know people love Fred Van Vliet, and I think Fred had a better all-star case just because he's been good from the start of the season, um, and Pascal took a while to get going. But Siakam has been ridiculous. The last six games for him have been playmaking masterclasses. I tweeted this out last night, but his assist totals over the last six games, 6, 6, 5, 6, 8, and 7 last night. His turnover totals in those games, 3, 2, 1, 2, 2, and one. He is not turning it over. He's a refined playmaker. He's doing it from the post. He's doing it on drives. He's doing it in transition. He's doing little big-to-big passes underneath when people are loading up on him when he drives. It's just really beautiful to see, and he is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, bringing joy, happiness, and enjoyment to the Toronto Raptors experience once again, and a big thank you to Michelob Ultra for bringing a little extra joy, happiness, and enjoyment to the podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here and dive on into the way the defense played for the Raptors in this one. It was a tough start. They gave up 37 points in the first quarter, 16 of which were scored by Furkan Korkmaz. It was a semi-Ogele situation once again for the Raptors where... 
you know, they sent a lot of attention to Joel Embiid, who we'll get to in a second. They continue to defend him quite well, send a lot of attention to Ben Simmons, and were kind of willing to let guys like Korkmaz, who came into the game with a 31% mark from three on the season, to fire him up. And look, I think in the first part of the game, they didn't quite have the same ferocity in the rotations that they tend to have flying out to corners. There are a lot of guys who were getting shots up just before the contest was coming, whether it was Danny Green, who was red hot, or Tobias Harris, who had a nice game after going uh, like one for nine in the game on Sunday. And then Furkan Korkmaz as well. You know, they, they kind of withstood that original barrage from the Sixers and waited for regression to the mean and they kind of got it over the course of the game um you know Korkmaz I think hit four of his five threes in the first quarter so you know they they kind of survived it a little bit and it was not so much a barrage where every single open three that was created by their over aggressive defense on Embiid became uh you know an easy bucket for the for the Sixers you know, the Sixers really struggled in the back part of this game. 18 points in the second quarter, 24 in the third. They had 30 in the fourth, but again, the Raptors really harassed them and harangued them. Um, you know, couldn't quite ever rope them into, you know, a single possession game or anything like that because their own offense, as we talked about, was really rough. But on the defensive end, I thought the Raptors were super impressive and kind of continue their... I guess, rediscovery of their proper defensive identity, the way they've played for the last couple years. Um, you know, in particular last year where they were just this swarming, rotating beast, always on a string, always knowing where the next step was supposed to be. We saw that a lot in this game. That said, I think most of the reason they were effective to close out this game was because of Aaron Baines, honestly, and the way that he allowed them to not send all the attention to Joel Embiid. You know, they did obviously send doubles his way, forced him to pass, and I thought they did a really good job of forcing him to make some bad passes. He had six turnovers in this game to just two assists, um, and that, I think, is still going to be the limiting factor for Embiid going forward. The way Siakam has kind of figured out how to pass out of post-ups, Embiid quite hasn't figured out. He's gotten better at it. This was a particularly rough game. A lot of strange passes for the Sixers in this one, just kind of out of bounds, three feet off of the guy they were trying to pass it to, both from Simmons and Embiid in this one. But that's the kind of duress the Raptors defense puts you under. They swarm, they force you to kind of just whip the ball out in the general direction of people, and sometimes it's going to miss and go out of bounds and force a turnover. And the Raptors did an excellent job. But like I said, where they were at their best in this one was when Aaron Baines was allowing them to just play straight up on the rest of the players on the team, and they weren't having to scramble and recover all over the place to shooters. And I think you know Nick Nurse noted that he kind of dug him the hole a little bit with the over-aggressive defense. I don't necessarily even agree with his own criticism of himself. I think if you're letting Furkan Korkmaz beat you, that's probably the way to do it. Obviously, expecting a regression to the mean over a single game is a fraught uh, ground to, to try to walk on and a, a tough tightrope to be on, but I think that, that was a fine strategy to come out of the game as they started small once again. But then Baines played a big chunk of the rest of the game. He played 29 minutes in this one, and his ability to stay in front of Embiid, kind of keep him to the perimeter, and just get, get in his way and not jump or bite at the pump fake, which is a real weapon for Embiid to try to get that drive going. You get the defender off balance, then you have a bit of an edge and a bit of a window to drive. Baines wasn't budging. He was just standing there waiting for Embiid to you know make his move. And oftentimes Embiid just got tired of waiting for Baines to screw up and would pass it off. You know, I think it was in the third or maybe the fourth quarter where Embiid's first field goal make since the first quarter was like this insane step back three after Baines had kind of corralled him and forced him back out to the perimeter 
it was a bloody impressive shot for Embiid, but if that's the kind of shot Embiid's taking to make on you, that's really impressive. And they just did a wonderful job the entire two-game set of making things difficult on Embiid, um, and Baines deserves a ton of credit for that. Obviously, Baines is limited. He's going to have matchups where he's not as good, but he's clearly found a home in this bench rotation next to Chris Boucher. Boucher looks more at home on defense as well, and... You know, it, it just it all kind of makes sense geometrically on the floor for the way those lineups work and make sense in the way that sort of it highlights the skills of the, the, the individual guys. And Baines, you know, credit to him. There will be some matchups where he's absolutely needed, and this is one of them. And I think a reason that I'm feeling a little bit okay about a potential matchup with the Sixers, like I don't think they'll win necessarily, but I think they could make it a hell of a series and potentially squeak out an upset win, is because Baines looks like, not Marcus Saul necessarily, but looks like someone who can at least hang with Embiid and allow the Raptors to not have to be so over aggressive with their doubles with him, and they can maybe spend more time kind of building the wall against Ben Simmons and um, you know trying to ward off those types of attacks from the Sixers because Simmons, man, look, I know last night there was a lot of oh like uh, Simmons make an All Star with fifteen and eight over Fred Van Fleet. Simmons is awesome, dude. <laughs> like he is. So, so good. He is like a monster in transition. He's impossible to stop around the rim. You basically have to defend him as though he's Giannis, and that requires extra bodies. And if you have one guy who can, you know, face up and guard and beat on his own, that frees you up to stop the other big sort of point of creation for the Sixers. And I really like the way the Raptors played them. I love these games, actually, just watching the Sixers and Raptors play. The matchups are so funky and weird and interesting, and the two-game set lends itself so nicely to adjustments and seeing how things are going to be played out. And, you know, again, the Raptors probably lose it, but I would love to see a series between these two teams because the adjustments back and forth, the coaching, the the different skill sets of the players. If you have Kyle Lowry available, obviously that changes the calculus for the Raptors as well. Just uh, a really, really fun two-game series that I think a split is totally noble and reasonable to get, and I'm feeling quite good about where the Raptors stand. Once again, a really strong performance, offense maybe notwithstanding, although again, the process was fine um, against a really good team. They continue to be quite good against good teams, which is uh, one of the more important things you want to see during the regular season, just beating up on crap teams and uh, not really being in contention against good teams is, you know, kind of a recipe to fail in the postseason. The Raptors look like they're kind of equipped to go up against good teams and at least give them hell, if not totally beat them. With that, let's move on and dive into a look at the All-Star conversation. Of course, no All-Stars for the Raptors in the 2021 season as of right now. You know, look, this is a season where there are COVID uh, replacements sure to be happening. Injuries are happening all over the place. Maybe we get players opting out of the All-Star game and taking the fine because it's so dumb. I don't know. But I'm going to get into why I'm just not at all upset about the Raptors not getting any All-Stars coming up in the final segment. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar around. They have 18 amazing flavors, including um, you know some of my faves like lemon almond cheesecake and uh, toffee almond orange. I had salted caramel yesterday. That was really good. And they also have bonus flavors that come out from time to time, limited edition runs around holidays, the coconut brownie chunk. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. It's so good. It, I don't know how it could be good for you, but they, it is good for you. It's Their bars are coming to 100% chocolate. They're soft, easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. And you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. 
I cross-country skied 10 kilometers yesterday. All I had to eat before was a banana and a Bilt Bar, and I was ready to go. It was great. I wasn't weighed down. I wasn't bogged down by you know a heavy breakfast or anything like that. Just had those quick things to eat, and the Bilt Bar gave me what I needed to get through the day. Uh, go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's wrap up today's show with a talk about All-Star. The Raptors get snubbed, baby. Uh, I'm going to maybe mute the word snub from Twitter. Uh, I found that one of the better things you can do for your mental health is to mute terms on Twitter, and uh, snub is right up there. Anyway, the Raptors don't get an all-star. Fred Van Vliet narrowly misses out. Uh, Pascal Siakam kind of on the next tier of, of guys who missed out. And look, I think that's totally fair. He was not good to start the season. And overall, my kind of take on the Raptors not having an all-star is that perhaps they should not have started the season 2-8 and eight if they wanted an all-star. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes. Obviously, they've been a lot better lately, but impressions are tough to shake once you kind of build one for yourself in the early part of the season. And I think they're shaking it now, clearly, but it's a little bit too late, and that's totally fine. Uh, like I said, I think Fred Van Vliet was the most deserving All-Star. Kyle Lowry was the guy I was rooting for to get a coach's nod the most, just because, A, it'd be really funny if the coaches was like, of course Kyle Lowry's an All-Star. He's still a menace, and we still hate playing him. Of course he's in there, um, but that's okay. And maybe Kyle Lowry's All-Star career comes to an end in the game where he made the All-Star game fun and the last good thing that happened in the before times. That's pretty fitting to me. I'm okay with that. Um, but obviously Fred Van Vliet had the best case, I think, you know, again, I would argue that Pascal was maybe even having a better season. He's having less games where he's really kind of off from, from the field and whatnot, at least recently. And his defense, you know, is right on par with, with Fred's, even if Fred's is a bit more spectacular because of his size and the things he's doing. Um, but yeah, like there was a real case for Fred. I think a lot of people did consider him. He feels like he, if he is, you know, if there is going to be an injury replacement or something, maybe he's right on the cusp of getting in. Although I can't imagine the commissioner's pick being a Toronto Raptor. Um, unfortunately, maybe you know, Adam Silver. Let's get out of here, guy. What are we talking about? But um, yeah, it's it's a bummer. But also, I think Fred had a wonderful quote about it. Actually, let's listen into that quote from Fred Van Vliet about missing out on All Star. Uh, it is what it is. Obviously, you know, I, I'm a human. I'd be disappointed. I, I really, you know, as much as um. It doesn't matter. It does matter if that makes sense. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to lie and say, oh, I don't care. Obviously, I care. You know, it's something that uh, I want to be a part of someday. But I think just having a proper perspective on it and understanding that I'm not going anywhere. It's not going to be my last year being up for All-Star. I think I was very close. And all the guys that made it were just very deserving. And that's the case every year. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep getting better and, and give myself a, a better case next year and um, go from there. But I don't play for that. Um, I try to play the game the right way. And also, it's too much real shit going on in the world for me to be crying about making an all-star game. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't want to go anywhere. Let's, 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 let's go with that. Let's go with that narrative. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be salty and uh, be a sore loser. I, I don't want to go. How about that? 
So Fred's got things in perspective, and I think, you know, Raptors fans who are feeling aggrieved should probably do that as well. It is totally fine to not have a player in this particular All-Star game, what I'm calling the Petri Dish All-Star game, where they're bringing players from all across North America to one central location in a city that is famed for its during COVID partying. It just feels to me like I'd much rather the Raptors get a rest and not be part of what could potentially be a super spreader event. Honestly, obviously you wish for Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam to get their flowers and you want to see them in the All-Star game. But guess what? They're going to have chances to do that again in seasons where they don't start out two of eight uh, on the season. And I, I just I can't be moved to get upset about it. It's, you know, obviously the sort of inferiority complex of, oh, Toronto being overlooked is always going to be a thing. But, you know, there's the thing is, there's a lot of good players in the NBA. And with all-star conversations, I really just feel like it's always like this guy should be in. And there's never a suggestion as to who they should be in over. And look, I think you could take Fred and put him in over a couple guys who got in. Julius Randle, maybe. Um, Nikola, Nikola Vucevic, you know, if you care about team performance. It's tough to care about team performance performance in a season where every team is bad in the Eastern Conference outside of like three or four um, and everyone's within like four games of each other from fourth to 15th it's pretty difficult to get that worked up over record and so yeah I think Vooch is a totally fine choice especially considering he's the only player of note on that magic team these days outside of him and Terrence Ross and you know yeah you got you damn right I got a Terrence Ross plug in there but you know it's just it, there, there's lots of deserving guys. I think Joe Wolfond, our pal, put it well last night on Twitter. Is all of the guys who are deserving and a lot of like who got in are deserving, and a lot of guys who did not get in are also deserving. Maybe the answer is to expand the All Star teams. I don't. I have no problem with that. It's a fake game. Who cares? Like add 15 roster spots. I think Eric Kareen had a pretty good suggestion, which was you know 10 guaranteed spots from each conference and then 10 wild card spots. If you're drafting anyway, what does it really matter? The conference distinction. So, yeah, there's certainly, like, I think room and the talent available to uh, have a bigger all-star team. If anything, like, the the number of guys who were snubs, who were excellent guys with cases, kind of suggests, like, maybe the league's ready for expansion in an expansion draft. I don't know. <laughs> They're in a pretty good spot talent-wise. Um but yeah, you know, you could argue for Fred over a lot of those guys, but also those guys put up sexier numbers and it's the all-star game and numbers matter, I guess, in a way, you know, you're not seeing Draymond Green make the all-star game this season, even though he's been essential to what the Warriors have done because he's not sexy and that's fine. You don't, you know, it's, and Fred Van Vliet certainly played a sexy season for sure. He had a 54 point game and all of that stuff. But, you know, I, I totally understand why Zach Levine gets into the all-star game. The dude's having an absurd shooting season. Julius Randle's got like 23, 10 and five for a surprising Knicks team as their best player. So all of it's deserving. No one is a real snub. They're just, you know, it, it's kind of luck of the draw, right? What do you like take it up with each coach? Like, why didn't you vote for Fred Van Vliet? It's just, you know, it, it's fine. It's very much fine. The Raptors are going to get a much-needed rest after a season where they've been on the road for literally the entire season. I think that's pretty okay. Pascal Siakam seemed pretty nonplussed as well. Um, he you know, said, I'm going to hang out by the pool. <laughs> and uh, I hope he does that. I hope they have a very socially distanced pool party over the course of the uh, All-Star break, really, if they want to uh, live it up properly. Anyway... That's kind of all I got on All-Star. It, it's fake game. This is a dumb game that shouldn't be happening anyway. You should not have 
upset strong feelings about Fred VanVleet being a narrow snub, those guys will get back. Pascal Siakam was voted a starter last season. If he was playing the way he is for the last month or so, or has been for the last month or so, all season long, he'd be an all-star again, I think, without question, and he will have all-stars in his future. Fred VanVleet feels to me like he's going to be the next iteration of the coach's favorite pick every year, just kind of replacing Kyle Lowry for the next half decade. Um, you know, whether or not he makes it that many times, who knows? But the fact that Fred Van Vliet is just in the conversation is really excellent. His contract already looks like a freaking bargain. Um, and, you know, if he's going to rack up all-stars on that contract, boy, that's a that's a win for the Raptors for sure. Um, and Pascal is going to get there again, too. And he's already got enough accolades. He can hold off on getting more accolades for one season, I suppose. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'm sorry I didn't come in here guns a-blazing with stronger uh, all-star aggrievement, but it just is not something I can care about, particularly this season, where, again, the game should not be happening, and the players will be much safer and better off not going there anyway. Um, but that'll do it for the show. I'll be back again on Wednesday. We're going to talk about the game against the Miami Heat. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to breaking that all down as hopefully the Raptors can kind of shake this trend they've had this year where they've been really bad on the second night of back-to-backs just looking rough um only a short trip from Tampa to Miami so hopefully they're not you know gonna have weary legs or anything like that and hopefully get Kyle Lowry back that would be a big boon to try to beat this Miami Heat team that kind of is getting rolling in fits and starts and is not really putting it together just yet, but they're still quite good with Jimmy Butler back, and uh, I look forward to this one. We're going to see a lot of zone, I'm assuming, in this game between the Raptors and the Heat, so look forward to that, I guess. Please subscribe to, rate, review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go listen to the other stuff on the network covering the teams you like. If you are a Toronto sports fan, go listen to Locked On Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews as the Leafs are kicking ass and the Blue Jays are getting close to spring training where they should probably also kick some ass so please go and support mike and aj and uh we'll talk to you again very soon enjoy the heat game and we'll talk to you on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.